This is In Search of the Pluriverse. We are Sophie Creer and Eric Vong. Join us in our search for a world in which many worlds can thrive. We were invited by Het Nieuwe Instituut to be the first curators of their traveling academy. For more context, go to pluriverse.hetnieuweinstituut.nl And follow us on Instagram at In Search of the Pluriverse. Where are we, uh, Wong? <laughs> you know I'm super bad at names. We're at Paka. <laughs> We're not so far from uh, Gijon. Paka Progetto Artistico uh, Casa Antonino. Because that's Antonio. the guy... Ant- Antonino. Antonino, that's the guy who built it, right? And it's uh, we're now in the courtyard with uh, a farmhouse and a beautiful... I forget the name. Horeo. Horeo. <laughs> and we were looked up on it in wonder and keep saying how, how beautiful this uh, ancient sort of archetype is. You know, built on stone stacks lifted up with space under it almost floating in mid-air a square form with a balustrade or a a, a porch around it so it's you have to walk like you bend double when you walk on it because it's it's very low it's a very low low space it was used for storage so one side borders the courtyard but the other side so there's a, a bit difference in level. You have a beautiful sort of view over the micro valley that borders the house and houses or has an orchard with apples and berries and peaches. Yeah, it's beautiful. <laughs> and it's it's Sunday, end of the day, and the neighbors who were mowing, I think, the whole afternoon, they just stopped, so... That's a gift, because we're about to go do a, a little walk with Virginia Lopez, who founded PACA. She's going to take us on a walk. Village round. Dorpsommetje. Yeah, Dorpsommetje. We're going to do Dorpsommetje. For this edition of our search for manifestations of the pluriverse, we tune into the layered landscape of central Asturias in Spain. We encounter large-scale extractivist industrial activities and a patchwork of small-scale rural caserias, self-sustainable farms. In every conversation, we sense the remnants of the Franco regime in the civil war that linger on unrepaired. We traveled here wondering if the strong working-class identity of the region, with its unions, strikes and hard-fought victories, still lives on today as the industrial decline that started in the 80s carries on. At the same time, we see that tourism and leisure are becoming an important economic activity and that rewilding is high on the agenda of policymakers, making it food for marketeers who advertise Asturias as a natural paradise. Reality is obviously way more complex than a marketing slogan. Will the workers' culture of solidarity and struggle be the social foundation for Asturias' future? And can this future be a plural future that doesn't deny Asturias' pastoral past and ways of helping each other out? (laughs) (laughs) 
So we've been walking for about half an hour, I think. Yeah. And now we are up on the hill above Paca, and we see the whole industrial valley no. of Gijón. You are seeing mountains and uh, lands and fruit trees and beautiful bucolic uh, rural landscape. Uh, why do you say that you are seeing what you are seeing? Oh, <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> it's really. true that you would you would want to not see it, but, uh, but it's I'm counting one, two, three, four, five. Six chimneys. Then there is this. What is the white uh, smoke? Like, is it steam from water or what? Is yeah, that that's uh, the the white one is uh, is okay. That's not the dangerous one. Yeah, make impression, but it's not the 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 other the the the, the orange one. You have to be careful <laughs> about. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. It's other everything areas. is like connected because. All of them, they are serving, like, you know, coal and energy. They need to make uh, the steel or to... And here there is also El Embalse de San Andrés de los Tacones. El Embalse. And a, bay, a basin, a reservoir, water reservoir. Yeah, yeah. So Be Below this hill. Yeah. yeah. And there they live, like, all these migratory birds together with uh, all this contamination and noisy and cars and us and all together mm. living as we can. <laughs> and just, just so our listeners can picture it, um, how did this landscape used to look like before ArcelorMetal and all the other industries moved here? I just remember because of my mother or family or neighbors that tell us about how it was before. And so obviously there are like different visions depending of the way of life of each one. My mother remembers everything like uh, uh, ugly and uh, yeah, poor and full of cows and shit. And because it was 40s, 50, was the, after the civil war, there was poorness, there was dust, well, also biographical situation and everything. Others who were like living here for for a lot of generation and they know and they have like a really good uh, like they are linked to the landscape to the territory, so they have uh, tell to us that this was. It, it, it's difficult to imagine now how it changed, but it was only from the 60s, and so all these was like lands for crops. Even before. There was like the river that made like an ensenada. So even ships were nav uh, crossing. passing, crossing till the sea and importing and traveling with oranges. That's even before, no? like in the 17th century and all this stuff. So quite different. You forget an important element, the Atlantic Ocean. In the view yeah. description. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You see the sea, which is... Yeah. In a way, it's sort of... Promise. Yeah, it's a promise. <laughs> because it's so much space. Yeah. Everything opens up after the smokestacks. Everything stops, no? I, uh, yeah, I forgot because maybe I'm too hung hungry. Hungry? <laughs> Both. <laughs> so, I know that there is the sea. But before arriving the sea, it's all this. But I, I need the sea, and I, and I like the sea. 
but I need to go to the sea without seeing all this other stuff that you have immediately around. No? Let's go home and get some food. Yes. <laughs> Okay. Detour talk with Virginia Lopez at PACA, <laughs> Sunday evening, 18th of September, before everybody arrives. Welcome, Virginia. Hi, welcome. <laughs> and you are our host, indeed, uh, and also contextual guide this week. Um, and it's really great that you are our host, so thank you for accepting that role. You are also an artist, cultural mediator and placemaker. You made this place, Paca, over the last 10 years. Um, and you work around the question of rurality uh, and citizenship. You seem to bridge those two things always in your work. Uh, for example, you did it in the book, exhibition and pedagogical kit uh, Agropolitana, which you exhibited at Laboral. Uh, and in the field project Inhabitants Paisagistas, which you ran between 2015 and 2019, you developed tools, and we will talk about that too, for what you call experiential and transgenerational knowledge, and exchange, of course, of knowledge, uh, and you do this along different lines of research. So we will delve a little bit into that. But there's also here on the table a very, very big book. Um, it's a mapping of different practices here in Spain in the whole of Spain, so that's what makes it special. The book was made during the pandemic and all these practices um, work on revitalizing the rural. Um, and the book is called Culturarios Humus de Iniciativas Culturales en el Campo. Uh, first of all, let's start with where we are. Uh, we are sitting in the living space of a beautiful house, which you and Giovanni, your partner and co-founder of PACA, For our listeners, it's a very, very beautifully restorated place. You can feel the love in every detail. Mm -hmm. um, so maybe you can tell us a little bit about it, those, that journey of the 10 years, and also how this farmhouse, what kind of farmhouse is it? Well, <laughs> thank you for all your words. And um, let's see, like uh, Paca, okay, we, we, we have arrived 10 years ago, and uh, we arrived from Italy and very, very enthusiastic and very optimistic with the project we had in mind. And from the beginning, it was uh, doing something like uh, for living, for working, for working together, for make what we like and what we know that we do well. That I say that's because I think both things are important. Make what you really know that you can do well, because in in that sense you you um, spend a lot of time 
in developing everything and as you have said with love and even um, devoting to that thing that you are doing without thinking about income too much, without thinking of other things, practical uses that normally it's a, a, they are going to make you down no, in some way. So it was like a, a lot of years restoring the house also. And well, I have to say that for me, for example, all these kind of um, mad people in the last centuries are so important and are like uh, spirits that are helping me to grow. And so this whole movement like arts and crafts and people doing a lot of things that are not only like uh, contemporary art, but that contemporary art is everywhere and, you know, like in different um, areas. So Monte Verita, all these utopic movements, all they are in the pots for making paca in some way. No? So, well, it was like uh, restoring and um, beginning to do activity. And obviously we are in a caseria, in a farmhouse. So yeah, because Virginia, really you, you not only restored the house, you also changed the economic model of it, you could say. Because this house used to be a farmhouse, an autonomous farmhouse, where the life was harsh and poor. Can you say something about those times that, you know, this was still a house where a family lived and tried to live off the land? Well, um... This kind of caseria, it's called caseria here in Asturias, and obviously it was like auto self-sufficient for for the family, large family who lived in there, and the the farmhouse it has the house, but also the lands, the animals, and everything is to produce economical and self, uh, yeah, self-sufficient for for. But uh, nowadays, or when we arrived, uh, each time is more difficult to do like that. The context is completely changed. So, caseria is a, is a female word. Eh? You also have yeah. caserios. Yeah, in caserio, for example, is in Países uh, Vascos, and the uh, caseria in female version is here in Asturias. Do you know why yeah. that is? Why, why I don't the house know. is identified as female here? I don't know, because in reality, the family also here was really the patriarchal. So it's not because of, you it's know, like some kind of, of celebration, no power at all, at all. Uh, even this is something that is often associated to Orrios y Paneras, like it's used to say that women had the key or to get inside the Orrio Panera, the exit, and um, Orrio Panera means the food for all the families, so the survival of the family and the whole of caseria. But in reality, uh, no, it's not no. like that even there. It's and, to, and, and, and to play a harsh life, huh? it was hard work. Uh, but to paint a picture, like like what kind of food was grown here? What, what We see a lot of apple trees now, where there always yeah. apple trees. Where uh, traditionally were like apple trees, but also hazelnuts, chestnuts. A lot of uh, a lot of fruit and a lot of diversity that should should be even for for someone who looks today nowadays looks like strange. But the whole Asturias, uh, it was with uh, quite diversity also for the crops, mm -hmm. because 
you know, it was now we import and we export and everyone has to specialize in one kind of crop. But before when the whole people had to be out of self-sufficient. So at the end, it was a little bit of everything everywhere. And so here there was a lot of uh, fruit trees, there were animals, not only cows, as we can see from the 60s, that has been, it has been the specialization in milk, so, uh, and now in meats from cows. But before there were sheep, there were pigs, pigs who, for example, went to the forest to get the, the chestnuts and the food, things that are like completely for, for, forgotten nowadays. The pig is in the stable, the cow is in the stable. But before, there was like a continuous cyclus between forest, land, uh, grass, human, and all this. So it was, um, well, this, and of course, I, I, the orchard was rich with potatoes, then with the corn. Um, maybe it was like a really poor region for other, other uh, compared maybe with others. But nowadays we could say, and I always say, and I agree with people who defend that should be a rural paradise, an agro-rural paradise, because it has everything. And that, that's quite a statement, because the tourist uh, slogan, I think the, the slogan of the, for the tourism industry is, uh, is what exactly? It's Asturias Paraíso Natural. Asturias Paradiso Bienvenidos Natural. al paraíso. Well, you say it very good. And so you propose to add agro instead of natural paradise. Yeah. Yeah, because natural, at, at the end, I defend and mainly because of PACA, perhaps. Because when we arrive to PACA, to a caseria, you get involved with the landscape, with the territory, with the social relationships, all these links together. And so I'm really concerned with this kind of um human landscape, this uh, cultural landscape that has been created by working during several and several centuries. And that's why the agro, because what we see in Asturias is not so natural paradise that looks like God has made the paradise and then he rests. No, it has been made by peasants, by shepherds, has, has been made by all this community that now is forgotten. Yeah. Yeah, because you talk... <clears throat> Sorry, I have something in my throat. Do you want a glass of water? You talk about uh, all these relations eh, between the crops and the people and the animals and the, and the forest and the trees. Um, but recently there's a lot of attention to the recent past, the industrialization, the unions, the strikes, the community as a sort of a working class community. But in the time that these were autonomous farms, people needed each other as well. So there was a lot of neighborhood help. Um, can you say something about that structure of helping each other out? Hmm. I think this is very useful. And now that we always are talking about uh, with uh, English words like co-working and network, 
but we often forgot forget what are in our own language and our own tradition and communities. And for example, the next, uh, the, the same as co-working or network uh, here in the rurals uh, in Asturias was called, for example, Andecha or Sestaferia for this kind of um, solidarity, reciprocity, relationship among between all the, the, the caserías, so all the, between all the members of the community. And they work together for uh, uh, objectives that they had in common. And that's very, nowadays, for example, that's completely lost. In well, a small village, would that be like uh, like a forest you take care of together, or the roads? What kind of objectives? Yeah, for example, the andeza was for a small thing, a smaller things. Could be, for example, for harvesting um, in determinate periods or um, farming works. But then the sesta feria, it was, for example, for repairing. Uh, Paths, walls, uh, water, plumbing, or what? This kind of more Infra infrastructure. Infrastructure, works. yeah. So the, it was the community that was responsible for it together. Yeah, and it was volunteer. Even that this volunteer, it's quite um, well. <laughs> they were in somehow because of um, they feel like um, honored. It was some kind of responsibility. And now, for example, that doesn't happen like that. And we always think that, okay, somebody has to do it. Some, somebody from the city town hall has to do it. From, you know, like administration. Like, but we, I think we have to accept also like our responsibilities because it's full of individualism. And rural, in this area that is the central area of Asturias, uh, it's not like this idea of bucolical only rural landscape, but it's like completely confused and overlapping industrial, rural, urban and, um, and, natural. and natural landscape. Because I think it's time to move on to your own practice, okay. but you talk very passionately about these the past or the things we should still know about it, we shouldn't forget. Hmm. And a lot of your work seems to be about collecting knowledge, uh, mapping situations, um, developing new knowledge by talking and walking with people. For instance, you did this field project, Inhabitants Pasagistas, and that was uh, a collection of walks, workshops, and uh, landscape participatory actions. Can you say something about the methods you use to to, to, to sort of, mm -hmm. you know, to, to create a sense of, 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 of new knowledge or to combine things yeah. we already know but tend to forget. Okay. The first, I, I have maybe to say that uh, what is for me important is also the concept of, of innovation. Okay. I hate to be innovative all the time. 
<laughs> Not necessary. <laughs> Because for me, I think the, the best definition of innovation is all only to change what it doesn't work. So as sometimes doesn't work is which is really contemporary, maybe we have just to look for in the past what's happening, what was happening. So... Um, So that's your interest in uh, past practices, is to see what worked then and that we could apply to what doesn't work today. In fact, it's not like nostalgia, it's not like the past was better, because no, it could be a hell also. So it's just recombining and to see what's worked in the past and to adapt and to reorganize and this knowledge. And not always start from scratch and, and have this big word innovation, because it needs to be new, new, new. Yeah. So, so one is what? What is one of the things that you innovated, quote unquote, uh, during um, this inhabitants paysagistas field project? Uh, also, I think depends. The innovation depends of the context. So maybe in other contexts, I wouldn't innovate anything. And also, when I work with Agropolitana, sometimes other people was asking, but is there really innovation okay depends of i think it depends of the context if uh, something is necessary and it has been made before so it's innovative <laughs> i don't worry about so um for me what's was innovative i i think it's just to to readapt And to make a, a, to make a small changes in what was before, with habitantes paisajistas, with all the uh, projects that I have or we have developed together with the, here, um, maybe it was the, the methodology or the way of working. Maybe it was, for example, for people who was living in this area, was completely innovative. Not for me. I don't consider I, I, I was innovative. But can you give like a, an example of what, what came yeah. up maybe, during these walks? Or these maybe workshops? you can tell us about the bread one, yeah, about the, the bread. year of the bread, because you also made the bread oven that is here in the yeah. courtyard. Because, for example, yeah, and that's a, a little bit has to do with the context. If I'm here, I'm going to do something that has to do with, that is related with the house, with the caseria, with the sense of being here. And so that's why I thought, okay, I'm going to leave some ideas that I have that are concerning only me, but I have to find what is linking me to the others. And so I'm going to work with landscape, with key elements of landscape, But if I have something to tell, and they have something to tell to me, because it was like this reciprocity, and I always say that the f uh, maybe the best thing of all this project is the fact that we are always learning. Other, otherwise, I, 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 I get bore, boring. Mm -hmm. So um, we are all together to learn about what is so next to us that we don't see. And if we are going to make like that, I'm not going to be like in this hierarchy that oh, um, I'm going to tell you everything, what a boring stuff, no, and insupportable. <laughs> But it was to create like experiences together and making by making. I also another thing that we always read a lot 
we always think a lot. But please, we have to do a lot because otherwise we only talk. And here in Spain, people love to talk. And so, so you build we a do, bread oven. We make, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> talking a lot. I'm talking a lot, yeah. Uh, we, but then again, and I, sh I forget, I realize we forgot to say this because you said you came to Italy to start this caseria, to give life again to this caseria, to open it. But you are from here. Yeah, 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 I'm from here. Well, even if yesterday when you asked me this, I said, no, no, oh, I, I'm not from here. <laughs> but yeah, I'm from Gijón, so I'm from here. Um, but I'm not particularly attached to the region. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm not. Yeah. For me, every every place is good. So, mm. but yeah. Back to the bread oven. About the bread, yeah. Uh, so the idea <laughs> is to make. Tell us about the bread oven. Venga, boy. Uh, so all the projects with the bread, with the water, with the Oreos, whatever, it were like that. Sometimes we go and we walk. And when, while we walk, we can exchange ideas about what we are seeing. Uh, we need to learn something, so we invite people who know something specifically that we want But to what know. What kind of something? Something, for example, for with example. the bread. Okay, for, for the bread. I said, okay, we are going to talk about the culture of bread. What is needed? We need to plant. Because if we are going to talk about bread, we need to know how it grows. So we went to a small village in Poladelena when they conserve uh, some seeds from Escanda, kind of bread that was uh, like cultivated. A, like, a, like, a, like a grain. Yeah, like a grain, yeah. But Escanda is the name. And we uh, planted. That was a part. We need, and then we followed that. Then, when an anthropology, we went to a museum, an eco museum about bread, so to know about the culture of bread in the past. Then, with our archaeology, we see how the bread was in the Roman culture. Then they we can still find seeds, right, from long time ago. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And to getting immersed in all this. With another friend, we were exploring like the culture of bread, but with other symbolic and more spiritual uh, roots. And then we said, okay, we have to make all the process of the bread. So we are going to, if we are growing the grain, we are going to make bread with that grain. So we have to also open the We need to build a bread. Uh, oven, and so we make a workshop with uh, Yuriga, and we make this oven with the high from the beginning, with the earth, with the high, with water mixing together during several um, days. And all these activities, uh, because I'm thinking now, you're, you planted the cereals, and then you also made it. So all these things take a lot of time. Yeah. So this whole bread chapter, let's say, of mm -hmm. inhabitants paysagistas, it took a whole year or even more. No, no, no. It was in the in one year and less than one year. It was like in the spring and part of the summer because, of course, there was there was this part with the seed that was before, and I don't can put okay. into account. But uh, open to people to participate and to make workshops and walks and all these uh, things were like uh, maybe four five months 
then it finished with an exhibition, with an offering, making the bread, and going to this uh, La Fiesta del Pueblo, the village party when we offered the bread, because it was also here a tradition with this kind of ofrenda de panes, and so it finished like in this kind of party. So, Virginia, I think what's really interesting about your practice is that sometimes you keep it really small. Eh? It's about the casera, it's about the things that happened here, things that happened here in the past. You sort of rekindle that fire and, and, and you, you bring back the knowledge in many different ways. But you also work on a bigger scale, like the other project that is here on the table, which is... Help me, Sophie. Culturarios Humus de Iniciativis Culturales en el Campo. Because that's from... A, <laughs> thank you, Sophie. I'm so bad at names, especially in different languages. But okay. it's a beautiful box. I have it in my hands now. And I love it so much because it's very well um, executed and graphic designed and printed with a lot of love. But there's so much... This is like a completely different approach because you... You set up a team, and correct me if I'm wrong, eh? yeah. you set up a team uh, which covered almost all of Spain and you, you mapped all the agro-artistic projects in the country, which is yeah. from a completely, it's a completely different play, game almost. The, the initiative. Almost like, this is almost like a proposal for, <coughs> for policy making. Eh? The it's initiative was... Politics. Ah, water, yeah. You can take a glass of water, it's okay. We can, I can just we like can, We can cut it out. Cut it out. Oh, I just put the back, back after the break. <laughs> back after the break and still at PACA. And uh, we are here with a beautiful, uh, incredible book, A Mapping of Practices, um, that a, it was a collective initiative, I think, huh? yes. from the Green Cube Network, and you were a member of it. Can you tell us something about this initiative that you were a part of and your role in it? Yeah. Well, the Green Cube was, uh, I think, from 2015 that we began to create this uh, kind of family. <laughs> uh, but it's in, like a national in, in Spain. Um, it's uh, like different kind of or different sorry sorry okay so different kind of initiatives and projects in rural areas but they are quite different like art residencies festivals uh, institution, self, um, non-profit spaces, uh, artist-run spaces, different, different initiatives. And what was it was like a spontaneous, is an informal network, and um, the idea was just to connect these small projects that are widespread in, in Spain and that they are not like in the mainstream. You know that. Um, it's difficult that you know about that project that maybe is in Pyrenees or that maybe is in a small village of Andalusia. And at the same time, it's difficult to know each other that we are working more or less with the same ideas. So that, uh, that's 
like the humus for the Green Cube Network. No? To yeah, and, and the book really brings these practices together really beautifully. So for each region, Spain was kind of put in different region. I don't know whose idea that was. And for each region, a different team mapped the, the initiatives from that network. And what was your, your role exactly in this whole project? Well, we were like five people from the Green Cube that we um, made this uh, this project. My part was like uh, the helping during all the process. That was like the, all the research and um, was like one year and a half, almost two years. But specifically was the book, because then Adriana has made a small documentary um, and other like coordination of the research, Alejandro and David. So it was and main of the researchers that are making this uh, small booklets that are um, like uh, portraying these different regions in Spain. Most of them also are in somehow linked to the Green Cube and absolutely linked to the region or the territory that they are uh, researching mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. for us it was important that it was something like really ground based mm -hmm. the research nothing from the from the outside you know so what did you what did you think as Virginia but also as founder of PACA when you saw all, all those initiatives pass by on your screen when you were making this this mm -hmm. book because you have suddenly all this information about all these initiatives in Spain that you probably, some you didn't know, I guess. Mm -hmm. what, what then for you, what, what emerges for you f uh, from this mapping? What do you see that is maybe necessary or that is urgent to mm -hmm. do beyond creating this network? And or to make it even more practical, who did you make this map for? Because you, there's a lot of energy goes into this mapping of the whole of Spain, of these small mm -hmm. initiatives that, that were never seen as a collective or seen together. Isn't this also presented like at the government or, or, or subsidence or, you know, money streams? Isn't it important to get this, to, to link the money streams to these projects? Yeah, absolutely. In part, it was made something... Uh, the, this project because of that. Before of this um, book and this project, it was the Green Cube, the web page, the map, that is the mapping. It was made from the beginning, increasing projects inside, and it's available on the website. So, um, for example, with the Ministerio de Cultura, we are in touch, they know about the mapping. So, in fact, sometimes when they organize the annual, and for example, los foros de cultura y ruralidades, they organize each year in different parts of Spain. They know about the Green Cube and for the mapping they have made, of course, that they also, in some, some way, are in contact with the... Um, Green Cube Network, because... But did they embrace it? Um, the fact is that we have made this also because of the necessity of um, being uh, oh, listened so somehow by institutions, but administrations, but all this uh, yeah. power... Because you know, because we are like invisible, the same. 
And so we are demanding, and all these projects, what are demanding is that, uh, for example, the admin, local administrations, but also regional and also national, get more in, con in contact with all these projects that we are developing uh, activities and projects daily, daily in the territory. And in, they are organizing other cultural projects and events, events, most of them, without uh, knowing what the rest of the people we are doing. What's happening actually on the ground. Yeah. It's, it's one of the conclusions in the, in the book, um, really good conclusion, I think, is that there, is, there are cultural automatisms. Yeah. Cultural automatisms and no dialogue between the, media, the cultural mediators, like you, inhabitants and administration. So that triangle somehow needs to have more um, life into it, right? Absolutely, that was also, of course, then there is the lack of money and the lack of this makes that the survival of all these projects is not so uh, sure. Mm -hmm. And we have seen that some projects maybe uh, in two, three years are not going to be. Maybe they are, they are in precarious in the map because of the precariousness. Yeah, absolutely, a, a lot. And so then how do they how they want to um, Su support right? support yeah so this isn't easy this isn't e an easy uh, process um, we just got back from a beautiful walk around the farm and we 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 had a beautiful vista of a lot of things at the same time we saw the smokestacks of the big huge factories we saw the atlantic ocean we saw the rolling hills with the small caserias um, you started out very, um, that's what you said before, very optimistic when you came, I'm going to build something, I'm going to make something beautiful, I'm going yeah, to renew this place. But some skepticism, you know, got, got, got the better of you along the way. Uh, but you're also an activist, you're also a fighter. So um, in that context, where where is the, the, the where's the struggle to be struggled? So where's the fight to be fought in the time to come, if you say in the near future? What what is your next um, fight or la, pro la prossima? <laughs> or maybe you don't want to. It's also possible that you say you know. Yeah. I'm giving up. Well, or... in reality, I tell you, I don't know if you want to cut it, but in reality, that's my last decision or a state of mind or whatever, is that I'm between entre el eremitorio y el enjambre. That's my definition nowadays. What, what means eremito, er, eremo, eremo, that's an eremo, no? Eremo, I think it's in English the same. No. <laughs> no? Okay. When some saints and prophets and uh, mad people used to live uh, uh, separately from the ah, world. Hermit, hermit. Hermit. Echo. Oh, hermits. Yeah. And then Hambre is when the bees look for a new house. And they are all together and escape from the old. And they are looking for a new home. And, yeah. And they make the Hambre. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and what have the bees got to do with the hermits? 
the bees have to des because um, a, a bee goes out mm -hmm. and look for the nice place where all the rest of the bees you know, yeah, so can it's be. Yeah, people. It's a community. Community, yeah. And so I'm saying you, you're both. Oh. Yeah, I'm. I'm because I think life is a kind of balance, and in that balance that is always precarious. I'm in that point that I'm always balancing between these two situations. One ah, is in Hamlet, okay. that is community, and is PACA, and it has to do with create community, and the struggle, and fight, and seeing the possibilities for the future, and fighting words for what I believe in. But at the same time, I'm like in this Eremo, that should be like this inside of the Orrio Panera and see if he in his symbolic symbolic values that I need darkness, silence, private space, singularity ah, for being better. And I need and I think that everyone in this world needs the same. So you're the hermit and the collective of bees. And now you tend to be more of to, tending towards the hermits, and I think you know. Yeah, I, I think I need also to recharge. Also, because uh, all these community projects, you have to put a lot of energy. Also, because the lack with this um, institution administration precariousness, in so you have to whoa, 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 more energy, more energy, more work, and so at the end it's like. Whoa. And then you have also this context, which is very, very hard. It's yes. not rural, it's not bucolic. It's a place where you have to fight for, because these are the last generation. This is the last years. We are in emergency. We know. And in these kind of places, you feel it. And so it's... It's also hard to step away from the action. Yeah. to recharge, which, yeah. which is also necessary. Yeah. So it's kind of a complex situation. Yeah. Mm. But since Virginia is skeptical on one hand, but also always optimistical, to end this talk, I would love to let our listeners listen to a fragment, if possible, mm -hmm. of Whistles and Flutes, Pitos e Flautas, a beautiful, beautiful concert that you organized here uh, on the farmhouse under the Horera, the raised cereal storage barn, because we haven't explained to our listeners what the Horeo is. <laughs> uh, and you organized this concert. Why? Well, it was also thanks to um, Daniel Franco and Fernando Yawez. But it was because of, uh, well, because Orrios Paneras, Caserías, all these uh, farmhouses that we are surrounded by here um, are silent, are, they are being abandoned, and there is this, uh, well, this, the situation, no? It's like final situation. So in this silence, I think we need to uh, put a life and continue and regenerate and so that's the idea of with all people who wanted to come here and improvise because it was improvisation um, you didn't need to know how to do something the important was 
like this kind of festivity or party community and and being together because that was one of the um, function also of Orrios y Paneras of these traditional buildings. It, it were it, they were for storage, but also for community works and parties. And so the idea is this that uh, we we have to continue to get um, mm-hmm. to make life. Well, let's listen to those flutes. Is it is it flutes? What kind of instruments are we going to listen to? What were they playing on? Oh, pitos. Uh, it were like uh, whatever. What, what's all kinds uh, of flutes? Yeah. But also drums, right? No, it, it, yeah. I don't know the name in uh, in English. Sorry, but because they were like improvised, but really with objects from. Uh, you know, from daily use, no? Yeah. yeah. For example, la lechera. It was like a big bell, and the sound is it's fantastic. Maybe well, let's, let's walk out and yeah. <laughs> okay. This was another messy ending, dear listeners. <laughs> Where this? Ah. She's now. Beautiful. The sound of milk. (laughs) Thank you very much for this conversation. Thank you, Virginia. Thank you to you. You're wonderful. And please recharge (laughs) because we need you in action. (laughs) In Search of the Pluriverse is part of the Traveling Academy, an initiative of Het Nieuwe Institute in close partnership with the Consulate General in Istanbul and embassies in Germany, Morocco, Spain and the UK. The Travelling Academy brings together makers from these regions and the Netherlands to learn how formal and informal ways of knowing can support each other in tackling ecological, sociopolitical and spatial issues.